journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov, Shavua Tov. Welcome, welcome everybody to 101.9 Chai FM. I am Adol Kazilski. And we are not only careering towards December and towards us finishing up the secular year. I'm sure everybody's feeling a little bit of the pinch of the pressure. But we are also finishing up the book of Bereshit. I am so super excited being at it every single week for the last two and a half years. And um, I'm thanking you for being part of this 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 whole journey and today I think, I think we are going to be finishing the book of Genesis. We're on chapter 50 and we are going to be talking from verse 14. Um, we have just finished up the dramatic uh, burial of Jacob and now we are seeing the finality and the death, the death of the era of Joseph and his reign as well. So please join me. As always, you may ask a question, you may pass a comment on 34519, that is our SMS line, and um, or you can telegram us on 071-895-1019, that is our telegram number. If you are not driving, chapter 50, verse 14, by Yashab Yosef Mitzrayma, Yosef returned to Egypt, him and his brothers, and all those that went with him, all those that went down to bury his father, and they all came back to Egypt. Now, one of the things that we mentioned last time was the fact that um, on the way back, they were attacked by Asab and his armies, and all the other people, they went to war. But the amazing thing that did happen was that nobody got hurt. And so the verse is actually telling us that none of Joseph's, Yosef's allies fell in battle because it says, And all those who went with him returned to Egypt. And one interesting other thing that we will notice about the way this verse is broken down is that on the way down, um, you you can go back and you can look at uh, verse 7. In fact, I'll go back to verse 7 for you. If you give me one moment, I'm going to go back to verse 7. Um, it says over here, Ya'al Yosef Ligborit Avim. Yosef went up to bury his father. Ya'alu ito kol of de parov, zikne beta v'chol zikne eretz mitzrayim, v'chol beit Yosef ve'echav u'beit aviv rak tapam. So when he went up, we were told that the first people that went up was all of Pharaoh's servants, all the elders of his household, all the elders of Egypt, and then Yosef and his brothers followed. Now on the way back, when you look at verse 14, we say, By Yashav Yosef Yosef returns with all his brothers and all the people. So you can see here that there is a reversal. On the way down, um, the, 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 the Egyptians went first and Yaakov, Yaakov's sons followed. On the way back, however, the Egyptians honored Yosef's 
um, Yaakov's sons by allowing them to go first. And the, the reason we are told that that happened was because they saw how all the kings of Canaan had hung crowns on Yaakov's coffin and they realized that they should, in fact, be giving a lot of um, kavod, a lot of honor to to Yosef. So that's what it is. Vayiru et Yosef, ki meis, Yosef's brothers saw now that their father was dead, ki meis avihem, their father was dead, and this sparked something very, very scary. Vayomru lo, they said to them, to each other, Yistamenu Yosef vehashiv yashiv lanu etara asher gamalnu eto. What if Yosef now will bear a grudge against us, because he is likely to repay us for all the evil that we have done him? So, what had happened was, when Yosef, when Yaakov passed away, it says that. Yosef's behavior towards them changed. Now, what changed? So we're told that until this time, by, until Yaakov's passing on, Yosef would eat together with them. He would sit at the same table in order that he would, that they could see each other personally. After Yaakov died, Yosef stopped that. But there was a misinterpretation because Yosef's intention came from a good place. Why did he stop? Because he said, until now, I sat at the head of my brothers, and even though Reuven was the firstborn, and Yehuda was a king, and I had to do it out of honor of my father. But now that it is no longer fitting that I sit at the head, I will stop eating with them. The brothers, on the other hand, thought that Joseph was doing this out of hatred. And they also had another reason to become pretty apprehensive, and that was that on their way to bury their father, Yosef passed by the place where he had met his brothers when he, when his father had sent him to Shechem, remember, to inquire as to their welfare. He came to the pit, okay, where they had thrown in him, and, and he looked into it. Now, what was Yosef's intention? It was his intention to recite the blessing Baruch we're told that if you um, come to a place where a miracle happened to you, you need to stop, you need to thank God, you need to take cognizant of the fact that you were saved in such a place and make a blessing, that you have performed a miracle for me in this place. So that was the intention of Yosef. However, when his brothers saw Yosef staring into the pit, they assumed that he was doing it in order to stir up hatred towards them and, um, you know, to start thinking like, look, look how heartless they were. How could they have stripped him naked and thrown him into the pit? And they, they had the assumption that he was in fact bearing a grudge against them. Okay. And so, with the fact that Joseph had stopped eating with them and that he had stopped at the pit, um, made the brothers very, very, very nervous. Um, and they thought, now, now that, 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 that Father Yaakov is out the way, Father Jacob is out the way, this is going to be the time that now Joseph is going to take revenge. Well, let me ask you, 
how would you feel if, you know, this is what your family had done to you? Do you feel that Yosef had a place or has a place um, to take revenge on his brothers now that his father had passed away? And one of the interesting things is that we are told that um, Yosef, in fact, Yosef and his brothers never told their father what they had actually done to Yosef. What do you think is the appropriate behavior right now? 34519 is our SMS line. 071935. What's up? 1019 is our telegram number. Have a little bit of a um, moment there. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So what did the brothers do? The Yitzavu el Yosef, they instructed Yosef saying, Lemor, avicha moito lemor, that our father commanded, gave, gave instructions before his death saying, Yosef, this is what you should say to Yosef, Ana sana pesha achecha. Forgive your brother's spiteful deed, and the sin of the evil that you did, that they did to you. And now you need to forgive the spiteful deed of the servants of your father's God. And when Yosef heard them saying this, he started crying. But so what really happened here? So the the brothers were very, very nervous and they were trying to devise a plan to thwart thwart any revenge that Yosef was likely to take. So they sent, interestingly, Bila's sons, Dan and Naftali. Dan and Naftali were very close to Yosef. And they went and said that Yaakov had given orders that Yosef should forgive them for what they had done. But you've just been learning with me um, all the instructions that Yaakov gave his sons before he died, and there was nothing of the sort, okay? If he had said it, for sure the Torah would have recorded it. It obviously would have shown uh, Yaakov's greatness, uh, that he was concerned enough before his death to give Yosef such orders, but Yaakov never gave such orders. The brothers were making it up. Okay, um, because they became so apprehensive. They saw Yosef's behavior, both at not eating with them and sitting at the pit, as the fact that he was brewing up something and that he was going to, to, to be very uh, vengeful. So when Yosef heard this, he started crying. Okay, because he went and said, how can you suspect me of such thoughts? You know, I, I know that you just made up the words you attributed to my father because if my father had given such a stri- instructions, he would have given them to me directly. So how is it that you can say that, that your father said so? So they had made it up simply because they, 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 they got nervous. And then furthermore, okay, they, not only did they say to Yosef, this is what your father said, which wasn't true. They also went and threw themselves before Yosef, and they said, Behold, here are your slaves. 
So they subjugated themselves to him. They thought, like, how are we going to appease him? If he's really mad angry, number one, we're going to try frighten him and tell him what our father said, even though that wasn't true. And then they decided that they should voluntarily subjugate themselves. So they said, yeah, we, we're your slaves. 18 years ago, when when your, your Kiddush cup was found in Benjamin's pack, even though he deserved to be put to death, you changed the sentence and you sentenced him to be a slave. So today we are sentencing ourselves to be your slave. Well, Yosef was not a vengeful person. And we talk about all the time that Yosef is, Yosef is a tzaddik. And that the greatness of Joseph was that he had the ability to see that despite that negativity happened to him, and this is a lesson for all of us, despite the negativity that happened to him and despite the negativity being um, brought upon him by his very own family, Yosef always rose to the occasion and said, and he said it to his brothers when, they, when, when he revealed himself to them, he said, this is all because of Hashem. Hashem wanted it. God wanted it. So there's no reason for you to be nervous or anything like this. I can see the hand of Hashem in anything. An incredibly, incredibly powerful lesson and something that we should take to heart as well. That when we are confronted with a negative situation, we need to understand and we need to know that albeit that it has been brought about either through um, environmental circumstance or through a person, um, and even though, again, those people will be punished for doing what they're doing, nevertheless, if, it, if Hashem didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't. So when they threw themselves in front of Yosef and said, here we are, your slaves, what did Yosef say? By Yomru Alehim Yosef, Yosef said, Al tirau, fear not, ki chatas elokim ani, am I in, in, in the place of God? Ve'atem chashavtem alai ra, you meant to do me harm. Ve'elohim chashava letoba, but Hashem meant that good will come out of it. Laman aseh kayom hazeh, hachayot am rab. And God made it in order to turn out as it is today, we land, uh, landed up preserving the, the, the lives of the great nations. The Atta, and now, Alti Rau, please don't be afraid. Anochi achalkel etchem, I will, I will provide for you. The ettapchem and all your children. The yenachem otam, and you need to be comforted. He comforted them. The yidaber alibam, and he spoke to their hearts. And the Midrash goes on and tells us exactly what he said. He first went and said, as we as we mentioned in the verse, am I in God's place? Do I have the power to harm you? Here you wanted to harm me, but Hashem made it turn out for good. And it was a result of your act that in fact a great miracle happened and it allowed me to sustain a great nation. That was number one. And then he went and said, although there are many you, can't, you could not harm me. I am one and you are many. How can I harm you? He then, as you can see, offered to feed his brothers and their children. And we know that when Jacob descended into Egypt, the famine broke. It was only into the second year of the famine. Um, after he died, interestingly, it began again. And this, by the way, just showed the power of, of, of a tzaddik. 
why do I say that as long as a tzaddik is alive, he brings blessing to the world. And when he dies, that blessing ceases to exist. So he promises the brothers, yes, we've gone into, into a situation of a famine again. I promise I will sustain all of you. I'm not going to be nasty. And then when it says that he comforted him, the Midrash goes and tells us he went and said, you are likened to the sand of the sea and to the beasts of the field and to the stars of heaven. And who can annihilate any of these things? And he further on and said, Father had 12 sons. The 12 sons paralleled the 12 hours of the day, the 12 signs of the zodiac, for the 12 months of the year, the 12 stones and the high priest's breastplate. Can I then have the chutzpah to think that I should remove even one of them? And yes, said Yosef, I recognize I'm your head because the birthright was given to me. But what is the, what is a head without a body? You guys are the body. My greatness is only known because of you. Before you came here, I was referred to as a slave. When you arrived, people knew I came from a great family. And then more so, said Joseph, if I kill you, people will say I can't be trusted. If I can kill my own brothers, how will I show consideration to anyone? So he said, I cannot go and kill the sons of my father. So basically he was saying to them, there's nothing to be afraid of. You don't need to fear. Um, and you can only well be apprehensive of the future. Because as I said to you two minutes ago, when something negative happens to us and it happens through the machinations of another person, we need to recognize that that happened because God willed it to happen. Nevertheless, those that did it will be punished that they, they themselves from their own free will, will chose to do whatever they did. And if you recall, I mentioned that the brothers were punished much later for what they did. And what was the punishment? They were reincarnated into ten great, great rabbis who famously became the ten martyrs the ten um, biblical uh, martyrs that lived in the time of Gomorrah, Rabbi Akiva being amongst them, they were all tortured for keeping Torah and mitzvahs, um, and they landed up um, being punished later. And I, maybe, maybe to explain it, let me tell you a story that is written in the, the Zohar, in our Kabbalistic uh, writings. The story is told about a rabbi called Rabbi Abba. And he was once on a road, and he saw in the distance a man that was sleeping under a cliff. And while the man was sleeping, a poisonous snake approached and wanted to bite him. And just before the snake was, was about to strike, a tree, a, a branch of a tree, fell on the snake, and he killed it. And that woke up the man, and when he woke up, he saw the snake lying there dead. Well, that made the man very uncomfortable. He packed his bags and he continued on his way. No sooner had he left that cliff, a huge boulder fell on the place where he had been sleeping. If he had not got up and not left, he would have been crushed. And Rabbi Abba was watching this. So Rabbi Abba ran after the man and he said to him, tell me, 
what good deeds do you do that God performs such miracles for you? Obviously, this didn't happen for nothing. To which the man replied as follows, All my life I have had the habit that if people quarrel with me, I make up with them on the same day, forgiving them for whatever they may have done to me. And if I can't find them, I will not go to bed without forgiving him. I will then say to myself, May God forgive this person and whoever else has caused me suffering. And from that day on, I would look for ways to do good for the one who harmed me. And it says, Rabbi Abba wept and said, This man's deeds are greater than those of Yosef. This is very much like what Joseph did. This man, therefore, deserved the miracles that I had witnessed. So there you go, reinforcing the idea that um, one needs to forgive those who have brought um, destruction against us, negativity against us, um, that's the, the, their, their, their punishment will be between them and God. For you, you must know that nothing will come into your life unless God allows it or war warrants it. So here you can see also that, again, Yosef was not, uh, Yosef and his brothers never told their father. It was something that remained underlying until Yaakov passed away. Now, 32 years after Jacob and his sons came to Egypt, Paroi, the Paroi that had made Yosef Viceroy died, and we are told that in his stead, his son, whose name was Magron, he reigned. And before he passed away, the Pharaoh of Yosef ordered Magron, that he should honor Yosef and treat him as a father, that he should allow him to run his government freely and not do anything without seeking his advice. And this Magron listened to the, listened, listened to his fathers. Um, and from the time, by the way, that he did become king, he himself then was also called Paroi, because that was a title that was given to all Egyptian rulers. And he ruled for a full 40 years. Okay? For, for zero. 40 years. And this Paro, this, this, this Paro Magron was very, very friendly, friendly to Yosef. The Egyptians were also very fond of Yosef during this period. They actually tried to make Yosef the king, some say, but their plan was met with, with quite a lot of opposition from some quarters. But nevertheless, Yosef was, was viceroy and no one would oppose him. So, there are commentators that say that Yosef, in fact, reigned for 40 years after Paroi's death, that Yosef was still and remained very much um, in power. His power extended as far as the Euphrates River, that he had subjugated the Philistines, the, the Canaanites, the Sidonites, the Transjordanites. They were all subjugated to Yosef. They would come and they would give him annual tributes. He still... He still managed to have a hold over the entire region. And we're told also um, in the Midrash, interestingly, that during that period of time, let's just go back a little bit, when um, Yosef and the brothers returned, remember we said they were they were um, attacked by Esau and his sons, they captured um, Zephu, the son of Eliphaz. Okay, so he, he became a... A, uh, what's her name? He became a, a prisoner of war. So during this 40 year period, what happened was 
Asaph, the sons of Asaph, went and made peace with the people of the east. They also sent messages to an African king called Angios. And they also contacted the Yishmaelites. And they said, come, everybody, let's go together again and let's all launch another war. Let's battle against Yosef because we need to release the Sefu ben Eliphaz that was taken as a prisoner of war. So all these forces joined together. They massed apparently an army of over a million people. And they marched on Ramses. And that's where they wanted to engage Yosef and his brothers in battle. So they came a million strong. Yosef and his brothers led the Egyptian armies. They, they, they fought against them and we are told in the Midrash that 200,000 of Asaph's men fell in battle. And they also, the king Bela ben Baor was, was killed. And when Asaph's remaining guys saw what happened, um, they, they started to flee. Yaakov, Yaakov's sons pursued them for a full day's journey. And of this entire war, the sum total of exactly 12 Egyptians fell in battle. Everybody came back home and alive. And so when they came, Yosef's brothers came back to Egypt happy. Everybody was, 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 you know, excited about their success. And that scared the heck out of Asaph's sons and they didn't dare attack him again. So that was like really, really interesting. But Yashiv Yosef Bimitzrayim, so Yosef lived in Egypt, who obeyed Aviv, him and his father's household, by Yechi Yosef Mea Be'eser Shanim, Yosef lived 110 years. And if you go back and work it out, he actually um, reigned for 100 and, I mean, he reigned for 80 years. Because remember, he was 30 years old when he was made viceroy, so he he reigned for forty years. Um, he reigned for forty years while the original Pharaoh was alive, and then another forty years when the the, the Pharaoh's son Magron um, also took uh, uh, reigned over over Egypt. So it was actually unheard of in those times, and even unheard of today, that one person can maintain a position of power for a full 80 years. Quite incredible, to say the very least. We are coming up to the Maftir. We're about to finish the book of Beratius. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Chapter 50, verse 23, Vayar Yosef le'Ephraim b'nei shelishim, gam b'nei machir ben Menashe yudu al birke Yosef. So what was the greatest blessing was that Yosef lived to see a third generation through Ephraim. And the, son, the children of Menashe's son, Machir, were also born on Yosef's lap. So what is this saying? This is saying that Yosef had many grandchildren, and he even had the most incredible uh, brocha of seeing great-grandchildren. Because if you remember, Yaakov had told Yosef, progeny born to you after Ephraim and Manasseh shall be yours. So it, this, this blessing wasn't in vain. They were fulfilled through Joseph's grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And through Ephraim, Yosef saw a third generation, uh, meaning that he saw Ephraim's great-grandchildren. An incredibly, incredibly amazing 
and celebrated life. Yosef then says to his brothers, I am going to die. Surely God will consider you. It means that surely God will remember you. He will raise you up from this land. To the land that he promised um, to, to Abraham or to Yitzhak or to Yaakov, to Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. By Yashba Yosef et Bnei Yisrael, he made the sons, the children of Israel, um, take an oath. Lamor saying, Pakodiv Kodelokimetchem, that God will certainly consider you. Vehaalitem et Atzmatayim Ize, you need to bring up my bones from this place. Everybody knew and understood and, and, and was aware simply because of the Brit Ben Haptarim that in fact, um, that in fact, uh, they were going to land up now in exile. In fact, we said from the day that Yaakov died, the Egyptian exile started. It started, um, slowly at first. We can understand that just like we, we see when we read stories of the Holocaust that, you know, the extermination camps, Auschwitz didn't start on the first day. It started with you can't do this and you can't do that. Then you have to wear a white band, then you have a curfew. And it slowly built up. Similarly, this is what happened with the exile in Egypt. It didn't happen straight away, but it did happen slowly. So he said, I know that you're going to stay here, but my prayer is that God will surely remember us and that he will, you will bring up my bones from this place. And why didn't Yosef command his brothers to bring him to the Holy Land and bury them as Yaakov had ordered him? And the reason is, is that Yaakov was able to give such an order simply because Yosef was a ruler and Asatra was able to fulfill his orders. But if he gave these orders now to his brothers, um, the Egyptians probably wouldn't have let them, let them leave. And really, honestly, that was the truth. And here comes the sad verse that ends this most incredibly celebrated life. By Yamat Yosef ben Mea Shanim, Yosef died at the age of 110 years old. The Yachatnu Oto Vayisem Ba'aron Ba'Mitzrayim. And they embalmed him and they placed him in a coffin in Egypt. So ostensibly what happened was that he died in the year, in the Jewish year, 2309. If you want that in the Gregorian year, it's 1452 before the Common Era. Some, some say that Egyptian physicians embalmed Yosef, while others maintain it was done by his brothers. Irrelevant of who did it, what they did was then they put Yosef's body in a lead casket and they sank it into the Nile because they wanted that the waters of the Nile be blessed. Um, uh, as we know, the Egyptians served the Nile. They thought the Nile was a god. It was the Nile of um, of of irrigation, of agriculture. They believed that when they prayed correctly to the gods, the Nile would overflow and would give water to all their crops. So in their, their um, superstitious um, state, they went and took Yosef's coffin 
and they put it in the Nile, hoping that the Nile would be further blessed by Yosef's presence. They also, though, had another reason, and that was that they wanted to conceal the coffin so that B'nai Israel would not be able to find it because they knew that if they put it into the Nile, it, the Jews would not be leaving so quickly. In fact, we will see much, much later on the miracles that had to happen in order for Yosef's casket to Yosef's coffin to 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 come back on again. Now there is a very interesting um, part of the Midrash that says the following: that what time of day or on what day did Yosef actually pass on? And we are told that he passed away on Shabbos afternoon. He passed away on a Saturday afternoon um, around the time when people would be praying the afternoon prayer. Now, very interestingly, it says that this was the time when the the, the Galut became even more in earnest, meaning that the exile became even stronger. And um, we will discuss that now once we start learning the book of Shmots. But on Friday, of, on, on, on Shabbos afternoons, we say a very, very interesting verse. We say, Tzitkatcha kaharare kel mishpatecha tohom rabah. That your righteousness is like mighty um, mountains. And that, that the, and, and we are told that this has to do with the fact that this was here when the mighty mountain of Yosef disappeared um, from this earth. And finally, one other idea is that if you look at the beginning of this portion of the Torah, Pashas Vayechi, you will see that it is, and I'm putting in inverted commas, closed. Meaning, normally, you would see a space of at least about nine letters that is left between one parsha and the next parsha. Um, so, between the end of parsha Vayigash, which is the second last parsha, and the beginning of parsha Vayechi, which is the one we've just finished now, um, there should have been a space of about nine letters. There is no such space. And we are told that the reason uh, why there is no such space is that once Yaakov died, the eyes of Israel were closed as a result of the anguish of exile. Um, and although Yosef ruled for 54 years after Yaakov died, as soon as Yaakov died, Paro began subjugating the Israelites, as I said in the beginning, softly with words and urging, but Yosef couldn't do much about it because, you know, his Egyptian servants were close to the king and they started suffering and they realized it was that subjugation. And so we have a, a uh, custom amongst, um, amongst various communities that they start praying the Shovevim, uh, uh, they start fasting Shavavim, which they, they fast every Monday and Thursday for a period of time because that is from the time that the subjugation 
began. Um, and that, ladies, gentlemen, children, and all those that are listening, concludes the book of, of Bereshit. Chazak, chazak, venet chazek, let us be strengthened, let us continue learning. It's been a fabulous journey, me sharing all this with you. I hope you've enjoyed the book of Genesis as much as I have. And uh, please God, after the December break, we will now be starting the second book of the, of the five books of Moses, the books of Exodus, which in itself is going to be incredibly fascinating because the rest of the four books of Moses actually deals with the exile in Egypt, the release from Egypt, and the 40 years of wandering of the Jews in, um, in, in, in the desert. The first book we've covered, oh, 2,309 years. Um, we've actually covered a tremendous period from the beginning of the creation of this world until the end of Yosef. Thank you so much for joining me. I've had a lot of fun. I've learned such a lot. I hope you do too. Um, this will be my last broadcast, as I said, until the beginning of next year. And uh, I wish everybody a restful holiday, a peaceful holiday. Don't stop learning Torah. In fact, increase in learning Torah. There is so much that you can you can learn and be inspired. Have a wonderful, wonderful summer. A happy Hanukkah. And I'll be back next year at this time.